In this episode of Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi, we explore the latest developments with the Agricultural Agro-Processing Master Plan. Another area which is really taking shape in the implementation of the master plan is around the area of export markets where there's a prioritization of the export to increase export opportunities. We take a hard look at the pomegranate industry's plastics footprint. France is literally banning the use of plastics. So we're trying to find a solution for that, but using the pomegranate fruit as a model crop. So what we did now was to look at what we call edible coatings. So this is a liquid that when you apply it on a fruit, it sets and forms a layer around the fruit. And we're joined by a hashtag soil sister who cut her teeth in the retail industry. What my aspirations for the future are is to see the family farming enterprise going to the next level, building on the great job that my parents have already started and improving on areas like governance, compliance, and going more into processing instead of being primary producers. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. How's it, South Africa? And thanks for listening to the country's most downloaded farmers podcast. I'm Donumdu, and the technical producer is Megan van der Vent. Before we kick off with this episode, a special welcome to our Food from Zanzi listeners who are now tuning in from more than 90 different countries from across Africa, Germany, Singapore, the United States, and even Italy. We strive to set the agricultural news agenda. So you've probably heard the buzz around the Agricultural Agro-Processing Master Plan signed in policy recently. It's an economic framework that provides the growth path for the agricultural and food sector in South Africa, identifying key priority areas, partnering with government, agribusiness and the labour sector. One of the key role players is Dr. Sifiso Ntombela, the Chief Economist at the National Agricultural Marketing Council and the Deputy President of the Agricultural Economics Association of South Africa. He joins us shortly. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Thank you so much for joining me here once again on Farmers Inside Track, Dr. Sifiso Ntombela. Just looking at the different commodity organizations and the businesses that are involved that have sort of bought into this whole process. Maybe you can just touch more and elaborate more on that. In the early phase of this program, we've seen deciduous fruit, wool and mohair, cotton, red meat, as well as the dairy industry being the one of the beneficiaries. And this will be expanded to other industries. The other one, which I think is coming, is starting to give us a positive result, is the repurposing of the famous AgriParks program, where now we bring in the private sectors to see how they can channel investment and make sure the developed AgriParks are in line with the value chain development, which will then improve the competitiveness of the sector. We're seeing also very strong efforts in increasing the capacity at their department, which will then assist with also the issues of the, the policy assessment. 
another area which is really taking shape in the implementation of the master plan is around the area of export markets where there's a prioritization of the export to increase export opportunities. Then I must emphasize also the issue that was outstanding before the master plan was signed, which is related to increasing the conditions of employment and the decent working conditions in the farming areas and the safety of the farming areas, including the farm workers. And that's an area that we'll be prioritizing now. We have made some also commitment even in in the portfolio committee in parliament where we will be working very closely with our colleagues in the labor industry to ensure that we address some of the issues and proposals that they've made for. Thank you so much, Dr. Nubella. Now, I am aware that the master plan is strongly aligned, you know, to undertake growth and focus on land reform and financing investment. Maybe you can just speak more specifically about the areas that the plan focuses on and these aspects that specifically align to these target areas. I mean, you've spoken very broadly, but if you can give us more of the nitty-gritties around it, and I'm very excited to hear about the reintroduction of agri-parks, because this is an initiative that my mother had spoken about that was implemented years ago. It's really promising to see that it's coming back. Actually, hopefully, we're going to be working for more developing farmers within Mzanzi. I think on the investment side, one of the key things we need to really focus on is the expansion of the blended finance mechanism or scheme, where we've already seen being launched, which the industry during the master plan, they affirm that is still the best model, which capitalizes on the available resources in the private sector and not necessarily overburden pressure on the already constrained fiscus. And the blend finance, you see, um, it has been relaunched by the Minister Chogotidiza of the Department of Agriculture and Reform and Rural Development with the IDC and the Land Bank. And their discussion to bring in on board the commercial sector, commercial banks and agribusinesses. And we're hoping in the medium term, which is in the next three years, it can end up unlocking up to 12.5 billion rand in the agricultural financing in the sector. Currently, it has unlocked up to 3.5 billion rand in the land bank and the IDC. So those are the investments that are so needed, which will provide concessional conditions of loans, as well as a plan between the grant and the loan to the farmers. Unlocking that kind of investment is key for growth, especially for developing farmers in Mzanzi. Dr. Sufisa Ndumbela, the Chief Economist at the National Agricultural Marketing Council and the Deputy President of the Agricultural Economics Association of South Africa. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, for more on this topic with Dr. Ndumbela, keep scrolling on your podcast player on Farmers Inside Track. We now change gears from the Agricultural Agro-Processing Master Plan to focus on the rise of cultivated meat and how this new technology affects farmers and the veterinary professionals. We're joined by Dr. Nandipa Ndundane, the President of the South African Veterinary Council, joins us now to talk more about this lab-grown meat. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Nandipa Ndundane. It's such a pleasure to have you here with me on Farmers Inside Track. And I really love to talk more about you on this very interesting topic around cultivated meat. But maybe just as an introduction, more about you and the work that you do within the agricultural space, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I am currently the president of the South African Veterinary Council and also work as the principal of an agricultural college. My work in the South African Veterinary Council involves putting in regulations, oversight and standards for the profession, both the veterinary and the para-veterinary professions, which means the veterinarians, the animal health technicians, 
the veterinary nurses, the veterinary physiotherapist, the veterinary laboratory technologist, and the veterinary technologist. Wow, so you wear many hats. You have to never Yes, I, I wear many hats, ma'am. I wear many hats. <laughs> and it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you and get to know more about the work that you're doing and more to this topic around cultivated meat. Maybe we can talk more just in terms of what is cultivated meat for those who might not know it. It is a new science, a new technology where meat cells taken from an, a live animal are cultivated to produce meat. It's meat grown in a laboratory, if I simplify things, but it's a new biotechnology and the meat tastes exactly the same as meat from a live animal. Maybe you can talk a bit about the benefits of cultivated meat. What are the benefits? How can it sort of reduce issues around the impacts of climate and all of that as well? Traditionally, livestock farming is one of the industries that produces a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, around 18%. So we are looking at new ways of producing meat that has less impact on the environment. So one of the benefits, of course, is that it is less harmful to the environment because the technology that is used in the laboratory, and it also has a potential to reduce world hunger in that more can be produced for less. And it's also going to reduce the risk of zoonotic diseases and foodborne diseases because it's controlled and cultured in a controlled environment, sterile environment. It's bringing in new economic outlook for the industry. Those are the espoused benefits for the cultivated meat. Are there any implications for farmers and the veterinary sector and the para-veterinary professionals? Because it's a new technology, I don't want to be rash and say that they are there or not. We need to do a bit more of this, but... It looks like it's not going to have a harmful effect on the veterinary and the farmer in that we will always need meat. So there's space for the livestock and there will be space for the cultivated meat. But the environment is going to benefit more in that whilst we are producing large yields, most of it might be coming from the laboratory. Let's move over the conversation to more the end consumer. Will this lab-grown meat eventually be affordable and an affordable option for South Africans and people across the continent? Currently, the scientists are working hard to reduce the issues of the growth meat here that is needed to culture the meat because that is the most expensive part of this process. They are looking at alternatives. They are looking at land-based growth medias, and it does look that it, it has a potential to be a cheaper alternative. Once all the issues around it are then identified and attended to, especially the one of growth media, be affordable once everything that is around the issues of the growth media then uh, attended to. It does look like it's going to be an an affordable uh, option for us South Africans and the world. Thanks so much for your insights, Dr. Nandipa Ndundane, the President of the South African Veterinary Council. So you've promised to taste that lab-grown meat, and in the future, I'm sure we'll enjoy it on a classic Mzanzi braai too. Dr. Tadenda Kawena is a natural problem solver. His most recent idea could eventually help shrink the pomegranate industry's plastic footprint and can curb food losses along its value chain. 
He has developed an edible coating that extends the storage and shelf life of this Mediterranean fruit. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track, Dr. Tatenda Kawena. It is so lovely to have you here with me, and I'm so looking forward to chatting to you today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Don. I'm really excited as well to be chatting with you, getting to share the work that I've been doing uh, with everybody that will be listening. I usually love to start with, you know, just like growing up years, getting to know the person behind your research, behind the work that you do in agriculture. So tell us more about where you're from, your growing up years. You grew up in Marundera in Zimbabwe. Just some of those memories, fun childhood memories about where you grew up and a bit about your family. I'm from Marondera in Zimbabwe. So Marondera is a town that was built in between the capital city of Zimbabwe called Arari and also another town called Mutare. So Marondera basically it's a beautiful town, mostly built for people that were retiring, but also people that were interested in agriculture in terms of growing crops like tobacco, maize. So there's a lot of agriculture that is happening there. And actually, recently, they built a university that is based off agriculture. So it's growing so much. It's becoming more and more a bigger a city, if you may look at it from the agriculture point of view. So it was very nice growing up in there. I think one of the things that I loved about Marondera was the fact that uh, we're very much close to the rural area. So you could easily move from your father's house and travel to the rural areas where our fathers came from. And in those areas, it was very nice because I would help my grandmother to head cattle, to plow, because they used to grow a lot of cotton, a lot of beans. And it was quite nice. Um, we also had opportunities to go fishing with my dad. I think that was something that was nice. And there was a lot of forests around. We would go and eat uh, wild local fruits. So it was pretty nice. I also used to play a lot of soccer growing up as well. I'm just <laughs> so it was thinking nice, about yeah. you talking about Lookout Fruit. Probably wasn't as luscious as yours, but I had like this one tree <laughs> <laughs> in my neighbor's yard. Yeah. And we would always like when the season came, we yes. would be climbing that tree, uh. eating the fruit. So it's so lovely to hear you talk about your childhood and your memories. I want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing now, and then maybe we can also talk about your research and your PhD as we go on with the conversation. So you're currently a Chief Operation and Science Manager for Provera, a company that's based here in Paul, and they're focusing on independent evaluation of new fruit cultivars and rootstocks and a data center for the latest product development intelligence. Now, that sounds like a really big title, <laughs> and it sounds very important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is day-to-day like for you? What do you enjoy most about the work that you're doing currently? How I started at Prova, I started off as a project manager. So meaning to say there was a specific project that I was managing, and that project focused on looking at different Apple cherry and plum cultivars and selections that come into South Africa. So what we wanted to find out is which cultivar or which selection does well in the different climates or weather environments that we have in South Africa. So I was basically managing that project with interns that were under me. Hopefully what we wanted to achieve was a situation whereby we can give recommendations to growers that, well, in this environment, this is the cultivar that works. In this environment, this is the plum cultivar that works. You shouldn't grow this type of cherry in this environment. And that project is actually still going on. 
But then from there, my position kind of changed a little bit. And then I began to oversee the operations of the company, making sure that everything that we produce out of our company in terms of the reports, our image, our brand as a company, how we represent ourselves to our clients is of the highest quality. At the moment, overseeing the quality management system of the company, but also still involved in the science in terms of project acquisitions, new clients. I'm also involved in that and mentoring students as well because we've got interns that come all the way from Italy. Some come from France. So I'm also involved in that process. So day-to-day activities, it's quite interesting because everything always keeps changing, you know. I have days where I just wake up and spend the whole day behind my desk reviewing reports, making sure that our scientific papers that we are publishing look good, looking at how different departments in our companies are performing, what are the areas that we can improve. But also, I get involved with simple things such as harvesting. Some of the days that I literally go out into the field in the sun (laughs) and I'm helping everybody to harvest, whether it's grabs, whether it's plums or cherries. So it's a bit of both, a lot of office work, obviously, paperwork, research, but I also travel around the Western Cape into the different orchards and actually get involved, hands-on approach with the different activities that we do. I think it's so amazing because that's just the diversity of the sector, right? Yes, definitely. (laughs) No day is ever the same. That is exactly what I love about it. And I also love that it's always been so innovative and innovation is definitely key in the sector. Tell us more about this idea that you had that you did your PhD on will eventually help shrink the pomegranate industry's plastic footprint. There's also obviously more things along the chain, you know, curbing food losses along the industry value chain. So maybe you can just tell us more about this and what makes it so exciting. If we look at it from what the United Nations is trying to do in terms of the sustainable development goals, one of the goals that is there is to reduce the global food losses. So what they believe is that by the year 2030, we would have reduced by half the global food waste, both at retail, also at consumer level, along the supply chain. So the department that I was at Stellenbosch University, that is the South African chair in post-harvest technology, that is basically the work that we're trying to do. We're trying to reduce food losses at retail level, consumer level, production level. And so this is the work that we were trying to do using the pomegranate fruit as a model crop. So the same things can be applied when it comes to plums, when it comes to nectarines. But in this case, with my research, we were using pomegranate as the model crop. And also what we were trying to do is, obviously, there's a situation in France where the plastic usage is being reduced. France is literally banning the use of plastics. So we're trying to find a solution for that, but using the pomegranate fruit as a model crop. So what we did now was to look at what we call edible coatings. So this is a liquid that when you apply it on a fruit, it sets and forms a layer around the fruit. So naturally, or because of that, it reduces the amount of moisture that a fruit loses. So pomegranate is actually one of the fruits that loses a lot of moisture. So if you harvest it today, Tomorrow you won't probably recognize it because it loses a lot of moisture. So we then thought of how can we use edible coatings to cover the surface of the fruit 
such a way that it doesn't lose a lot of moisture. But at the same time, when you're covering that fruit, you don't want to suffocate the fruit because if you suffocate it, once a consumer eats that fruit, they will test alcohol. So we're now trying to use mathematics to try and optimize that layer around the fruit so that it minimizes moisture loss or water loss, but it doesn't suffocate the fruit. It was such a pleasure chatting to you, Dr. Tadenda Kawena. Do scroll down on your podcast player for more on this topic and more about his life journey in agriculture. Next up, and before we let you go, we celebrate this week's hashtag Soil Sister, Eastern Cape farmer Tuleka Ngwana. She comes from an entrepreneurial family. Operating different businesses comes naturally, from hospitality to retail. So when her parents decided to start a commercial farm, succeeding was inevitable. She recalls learning from her grandfather that finding a niche market is key to ensure any business thrives. I come from Port St. John's in the Transkei, the old Transkei, it is now the Eastern Cape. I come from a, a background of entrepreneurs and family business people. I involved in several businesses across different industries from bakeries to supermarkets, hardware, hospitality, timber, farming and property. When I was growing up, I was exposed to my grandparents were running shops, supermarkets, and my grandfather used to also run a very popular butchery in Mount Frey that earned him the nickname Magnatetole, which in English means fat from a calf. That also spoke to his enterprising ways in basically deciding on a niche market that was different to what people were doing at the time where he focused on younger cows, which were obviously more tender, and that gave his butchery a lot of popularity. For me, that was my first introduction, really, into the business of farming, because we used to go to auctions with him every week when we're on holidays, see how he's buying all the cows, slaughtering them for the butchery, also, my grandmother used to raise chickens and sell eggs. So she used to buy the old chicken chicks, raise them for meat, also raise some uh, for the eggs, sell them in her shops and in also my grandfather's shops. I mean, I grew up with that exposure, but I didn't look at farming as like a career or like maybe a serious standalone business. However, fast forward three decades, as my parents were about to go into, let's say, semi-retirement, they decided to focus their business activities into farming. So they embarked on a more structured farming, raising cows, maize, soya, and wheat. The farm is in Coxstead. My mom and dad started breeding and selling wieners to feedlots and abattoirs. So we breed with over 500 cows, about 20 bulls, and we sell about plus minus 400 wieners annually. We also farm with wheat and maize, about 200 hectares of maize, 50 hectares of soya, 50 hectares of wheat. What my aspirations for the future are is to see the family farming enterprise going to the next level and building on the great job that my parents have already started and improving on areas like governance, compliance, 
and going more into processing instead of being primary producers. Tuleka is, of course, one of the women selected for the Koteva Women Agripreneur Program. This is a year-long blended development program at the Gordon Institute of Business Science Entrepreneurship Development Academy to support and grow her agricultural business. What joins a continent but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow? The very life of tomorrow. This is why we do what we do under the African blue. Corteva. Keep growing. We've come to the end of another exciting episode. Remember, we love to hear from you. So do connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for Food from Zanzi. And don't miss our weekly hashtag Gather to Grow session on Twitter Spaces for all the how-to updates on all things farming, especially for the newbies out there. That's a wrap from me, Donundu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now.